Well, hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast 2020. Hey, yo. Hey. Now, you may have thought that you've been missing some episodes the past few weeks. Something's wrong with your podcast player because we've been dropping. No, I'm just kidding. We've been on a hiatus. That's right. And who was that? That was it. Uh, was it old uh, Samuel Clemens that said reports of his death have been over exaggerated? <laughs> That's right. Reports That's right. Grossly exaggerated. No, this is a this is a new year. It's a new season. It is over over the That's interwebs, right? right? <laughs> That's right. We're, we're audio in the files right are now. flying back and forth. Um, yes, so we got we're here right. at our clandestine studio, and we'll tell you guys about why we are halfway across the world, all the way across the U.S. from coast to coast, mm. uh, covering right. everything in between. But um, we're here in a little town called Pleasantville today. Is that the name of the movie? What was it? That is the name of the movie. I was about to make the joke. Yikes. Is this ple- No, I'm sorry. I s- so I said Pleasantville. This is Pleasanton. <laughs> but it's like oh, it's somewhat like, like Pleasantville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I see. Okay, yeah, very yeah. good. That's it. Before our listeners, let's just say so I am still in the Sunshine State and you guys are in California. Yep. Close to San Francisco. Yep. And uh, where where actually are you in a, a hotel? Are you in a bus? Are you in a uh, <laughs> gas station? I'm not exactly sure where you guys are right now. Yeah, so we're in the kitchen of this like little studio, like uh, what do you call it? Extended stay type hotel. Ah, okay. And um, yeah, we're just literally set up here, nervous, wheeling back and forth, and pulling waters out of the fridge for me. Yep. <laughs> And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I'm glad y'all can't see in here right now because we we've been in here now it's for bananas. a week and it's uh, it's not looking pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and we found out uh, that they don't, you know, it's not one where they they come in and and give you a thorough cleaning. No, you they, know, they right, barely change the right. towels. Yep. It's, it's... And we made eggs. We, they do have like a little little tiny stove and a little dining. So we made eggs. You know, you know what happens Breakfast? after you make yeah. fried eggs, and it gets I, messy. Yeah, it's bad, right? So the lady, uh, she just put it in the dishwasher, didn't right. even scrub it at all, and ran the dishwasher. <laughs> and it looked the exact same afterwards. <laughs> but now it's it like... It takes it on worse. But now it's heated into the, oh, the metal God. substance yeah. of right. the pan. It's like part of it now. So and there's no it, chance. It wasn't one of those skillets where it's nonstick either. It's like... Oh. When you cook mm-hmm. on there, stays on it's there. Like it's them like them Salad Master <laughs> uh, things from 1972, you know. Yeah, man. But it's it, fused together now. Exactly. So that, that gives you a picture of this uh, setup we got the going situation. here. But it's fun. It's, it's a good time. Cool. So Making memories are good. That's why, honestly, so a lot a lot has happened these last uh, this last month and a half, and that's why we have not had our normal time to keep our consistent podcast going out. So mm-hmm. I really don't even know where to start. But Nerva, why don't you, um, we'll, we'll give a, so let's do this, let's do this because I don't want to take too long on this today, but let's give a general overview okay. of kind of our life changes that have been going on. And what we'll do is we'll give you more of a play-by-play in a gotcha. Patreon episode if you are interested. And again, our Patreon, you can sign up for as low as $1 if you want to give that, um, what, what was it, the rich people <laughs> gift that Jesus was looking at that they gave out of their, right, that out of their surplus. But if you want to give the, that widow's mite gift... <laughs> Hey, go to kick that thing up. But for as low as a dollar a month, you can uh, have all of our Patreon episodes where we go into more depth, mm-hmm. more interviews, but we'll give a more play by play detail because we have had some really interesting things happen over the past month and a half. And it would be cool to tell you guys about that more in detail. But the big the big thing is we're actually moving. So we took a, a position on staff at a, an amazing church out here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, called New Life Church, and 
we came out here for the first time in November mm-hmm. and uh, sang at one of their services for their night, um, like a worship and prayer. They call it Miracle Night. And actually, God did do some miracles. Some people were healed of cancer there in the past couple months at these services. It's been mm-hmm. amazing. But, um, yeah, they approached us. They were looking for um, a worship leaders, and, and they were in this interim period of kind of looking for the right people, and they felt like it was us, and we prayed about it. And more we prayed about it, talked mm-hmm. about it, we felt like it was us as well. And so we it's been it's been kind of swift and, and quick, but uh, all of a sudden we are out here in, in, in the transition of moving. And I know our listeners are probably like, for real, San Francisco? Like that's right. the, the <laughs> belly of the beast um, in the sense <laughs> right. of of you know everything we kind of deal with on this podcast this is uh the blue wave mecca you know kind of leftist ideology secular progressivism berkeley uc berkeley in fact which is well known for being you know kind of in that in that vein is like 20 minutes from here and one of the pastors um on staff is actually planting a church at uc berkeley i think in the next couple months so that's kind of that's kind of how close we are but it's odd that god would have brought us here in this season Um, but we really do feel like it's part of what he's doing in 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 the earth right now Mm -hmm. here on the west coast that there's something stirring we we kept again we could share this on the other on the other episode but we kept kind of seeing san francisco pop up everywhere yeah everywhere we looked Mm -hmm. if it was on youtube or reading a book and it Podcast, was cast everything it was uh wasn't on our radar until we had come out here the first time and went back home and like wow did god just did we just hear that's bizarre right. sort of like when you buy a car and then you notice there's thousands of that same car on the road but right. yeah we went home and it became evident that god was saying yeah this is your next chapter of life and we were like wow okay yeah so here we are it was wild so and you know the the good thing is too they they really love what we're doing with the podcast with the music so everything's yeah. going to continue we'll uh, to posted, go yeah. we just we just have been in the thick of all that process and are still kind of in the thick of it so it's it's taken just a little bit of our time you know so we're we're going to come back to it here strong though now but yeah. yeah the other part of it is we i think we mentioned a couple episodes back or maybe yeah about how we got invited last minute to this the Trump evangelical thing in Miami mm-hmm. and how we went to it. And I can't remember if we shared all the details, but we met this really interesting lady named Andrea Lafferty on the way back to the hotel. She was coming out of the elevator and we really just had a, a great connection with her right away. And it was kind of wild and un, unexpected, right, babe? It was like one of those, right, you know, like chance, it. quote mm-hmm. unquote, chance meetings. And the more we got to know about her, it was like, wow, she used to be a, a, a lobbyist in D.C. Mm-hmm. And she was would talk mm-hmm. on Fox News and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, she now has a a house like thing in downtown D.C., like right in the middle of everything where she hosts prayer groups to come in. They do these prayer stri- strikes, they call them, for mm-hmm. different things that are going on. So we had a really interesting adventure in D.C. We also sang at Walk for Life. And that's what we're going to talk right. about on our um patreon episode those details which are really i i think they're interesting some some odd things happening surrounding that and mm-hmm. stuff we're looking forward to being a part of in the future as well not to mention mm. for the first time in years we well i caught the flu and i was out for the count oh my yeah, gosh man. so i'm one of those persons that when they mention okay did you get your flu shot i'm never the one that's like um <laughs> Thinking about it, no, but <laughs> you might have made me a believer nowadays because the we don't flu believe in all that stuff. Is yeah. of flu the shots devil. and uh, what? What do you call it? The uh, the stuff they do with the kids. 
We'll start a we'll start a fight. Yeah, yeah. vaccination. Right. Yeah. Start, man, start a vaccination you know? fight here so, in Fremont. Oh my word! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Going out to it the ground zero. Too. Right. Crazy, uh, but we're back. So are you guys coming back at all, or are you guys out there now for good? Well, what are we doing? So here's Seth? the thing: we I'm, we were up, like moving. And yeah, stuff. yeah, man, we're moving, and we found we found an apartment. We were looking. We we're just trying to get out here and kind of get our head around the whole thing. So we thought let's let's just start with renting for a little bit until we figure things yeah. out. Well, we went in an apartment the other day and uh decided to go ahead and get it because they were able to make a deal we could get in and not have to pay for february but we could start putting stuff in so we're actually going to stay a little longer this trip and start the process then we're going to come back to florida and we're trying to figure out are we going to drag a bunch of stuff out there or are we going to send our cars and just basically leave everything in the house and rent it and all yeah, that drama so you know decisions. you know how it goes we're getting quotes and this and that and it's just it's crazy right. but we yeah we will That's be coming back for a little bit to get everything together and then heading gotcha. back out this way probably in march are you bringing big schmo out there <laughs> we don't schmo know over? you know big schmo <laughs> in the county yeah man you know i i don't know if if she would feel at home anywhere but the county <laughs> right <laughs> and so That's it. right that's it. I think we're going to leave her there for a little bit and uh, and then come back and get her. I still, you know, we're still planning on taking that around the U.S. and, and doing the podcast in the bus at some point. But for now, yeah. we're just going to have to keep doing it kind of like we're doing it here, um, just audio only. Um, but we're excited. We're going to do an NRB conference. It's like the National uh, Religious Broadcast Conference in February. We're leading worship there in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I believe awesome. Brother Robles are going to give me a media pass. And so we're going to be interviewing some oh. kind of leading Christian uh, thinkers and scholars that are coming to that conference and they're kind of, I, I think they're more in the family and political research and media mm-hmm. in general but i think it's still going to be some interesting interviews that we hope to get from that so that's what will be upcoming well again if you'd like to hear more about set the nerva's journey and what they've been doing now in california check out that patreon episode and as we jump into this week's episode we want to give thanks to impact 360 a longtime sponsor of the show We always encourage you to check out their website, impact360.org. They still have their online courses for truth, worldview, and defending the resurrection. And as you have a high school student, maybe a junior, a senior, or maybe a student that's going to be going into college pretty soon, we really encourage you to check out those courses so they can be prepared with worldview, with truth, and to really have a solid foundation in the Christianity as they head out into the world. So check out impact360.org. Here's actually something cool too, man. Um, one of one of our consistent listeners is sending her daughter. She met you, babe, at, at Camp Electric Aww. a couple years ago. And she's sending her daughter to the Propel Camp this year, and, and she's real excited. Oh, that's awesome. Um, she thought we were going to be there, but I told her we're there for the immersion camp. Aww, so if brother. you're looking and you want you know, to do the one we're at, it's a longer camp. It's two weeks, but sure. it's amazing. That's the one Yay. we sing at. Propel is like a one-week quicker version. Also a great camp. We're not. Uh, we don't lead at that one, but I was super excited to, to That's hear that. Wonderful. That's awesome. That's really wonderful. Okay. So you use that promo code Freemind for twenty five dollars off one of those online hey. courses. Oh. There you go. Come on, somebody. Man, there's been so much stuff going on. Both Joseph and Sister Nerva, man, it's it's like a barrage of stuff. It's been. It's, you said this a minute ago. Like it feels like we're three months into the new year, right? That's and right. We're only here at January thirty first. Nah, man, it's January eighty fifth, brother. This is the, right. This is January eighty fifth today. <laughs> I felt the same way, man. Like honestly, because it's been so hard because we've been so busy, and I'm like, man, I want to, I want to get in there and do an episode. And there's like enough content to do an episode every day, and then you're like, man, I don't even know what to do. There's, there's too much to cover. And especially, you know, we got all the political stuff, all the controversy. There's been back and forth, even within the evangelical world, Christianity Today and Franklin Graham and 
all this kind of stuff's mm-hmm. been going on and um I've been wanting to jump on it, but every time I'm like, man, I want to do a systematic approach, something crazy happens in it and it makes it like we're, it's just kind of in your face. So I, hopefully, I don't know, maybe next month we'll be able to jump in and, um, and kind of take this thing slow and just look at, look at the different sides of the Mm -hmm. argument, what's going on and, and try to hopefully map out a way forward to think biblically about these issues that are so polarizing right now. But anyways, I thought, okay, you know, one of the things that happened that I thought was very much uh, an issue that we needed to kind of talk through on our podcast because of it deals with one of those kind of central cultural trends of the day. And that was, I don't know if you guys saw a, a, a few weeks ago, Max Lucado, I guess, had made an appearance on um, Jen Hatmaker's podcast. She's got this new podcast. I forget the name of it, but it's like where she's interviewing a bunch of people and she's got a broad range of people all the way through, you know, full-blown progressive Christians to kind of evangelicals, maybe even people that don't identify as Christian. I'm not sure who all um, she's getting to appear on the episode at this point. But anyways, uh, Pastor Lucado, who Nerv and I both have had the chance to meet over the years and travel with a little bit uh, on a couple tours she did and amazing guy but you know he appeared on the podcast said some interesting things about her afterwards as well that and elisa childers got on twitter and talked about it i think she might have even done an episode about it lately and she wrote an article about it but um i thought you know it was really interesting how do we deal with this because and and that's what i want to kind of back up to this 2020 you know everybody's talking about you know you got the the clear example 2020 vision and all that kind of stuff but it is interesting that I forget. So, so we've been hearing these messages. I know I'm going to butcher this because I, I didn't have even time to find an actual written article. But the the people that have been counting uh, the year, you know, the year, just kind of that numerology thing, whether or not you hold to that view, it is interesting that on the um, Gregorian calendar, I think it's the year of the mouth or something like that. Mm-hmm. The year of the rat. Yeah. <laughs> that's that old Chinese calendar, bro. Oh, that's right. Um, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> No, nah, but you know, and, and the people that have, again, I'm going to butcher this because I, I don't have it in front of me, but you can go online and find this stuff. But the Hebrew year, 5187, whatever it is, they're saying it's the year of the voice or or I'm getting that vice versa. One of them's the year of the mouth and one of them's the year of the voice. And it's interesting. Um, a lot of people have just been noting, you know, saying this, even going into this year, that this year was going to be particularly one where there was just going to be a a battle for truth and it was going to be people speaking, you're going to hear um, a lot of deception rising to the forefront, but also a lot of truth and courage rising to the forefront. And there's going to be these competing uh, voices. And I thought it was interesting, you know, that, you know, sometimes you see these overlaps like that, that, you know, if nothing else, you're like, huh, it's weird. But um, I think there's a lot to that. We've and what you were saying a minute ago, how we feel like we're already three months into January. Whether you look, whether you're seeing within the church world or even the political world, there are people giving radically different interpretations to the same things, mm. like these disagreements, mm. like uh, giving voice, giving uh, expression to completely different points of view on core th- on things that are you know, these are it's not like. Uh, Th- th- string theory that's like w- way out there stuff this is stuff about everyday life and, and core issues that they're radically different opposing viewpoints right. on and for many people they're looking around like man who do we believe like yeah. you turn on right. you know CNN 
one minute and you turn on Fox News, it's like they're not even talking about the same thing. You're like, certainly they can't be talking about the same thing. And you listen to Jen, Jen Hatmaker, you listen to Franklin Graham, you're like, what they're describing as Christianity is night and day mm. different. That's and so true. the year of the voice, the year of the mouth, it's really interesting. Um, and I don't know, I think it was two or three episodes back, Stephen, you, you might remember this, but we were reading from the Mario Murillo book, uh, Vessels of Fire and Glory. And right. he was talking about one of the the main things Jesus warned against in the in the end times. Do you remember what what it was? He said the the biggest danger is deception. Ah, good memory there, brother. Wow. Oh yeah, brother. I didn't even give you a warning about that question. But yeah, well, we've um, been reading. We've been reading even since you guys uh, moved to the West Coast. We've still been going on. <laughs> Come on, that's right. Been reading that Diving fire and glory. Book. Yeah, man. This was a fire and glory. And I think he's right. I don't know, you, Nerva. You might even have that pulled Let's up if see. you wanted to refresh us just a little bit. What that Let's said. Let's see. There. I think it's here. It says the the chief danger in the last days is being deceived. Satan has saved his best lies for this moment, a moment when he can deceive the army of God into abandoning the front lines. How silly to believe that the devil would confuse the secular world so as to call evil good and good evil, yet not try the same thing within the church. Hasn't the enemy tricked us into doing exactly what we should not be doing? And pause on that too. Should He's have. saying like, you know, if that, that the voice thing, the, the mouth thing, it is interesting that we're in a position now where increasingly he's saying that if the devil can confuse the secular world to call things that are clearly sure. good, evil and, and things evil that are good. clearly evil, mm, good. And we're, I mean, it. we're clearly in that phase sure. and, and wherever you land with your eschatology, we've talked about that, the different positions in the past a little mm-hmm. bit, but you right. can see that we are in an, in, we are in interesting times where those themes are happening. Like we're, we're seeing that right in front of our eyes. Like I've told somebody recently that it feels more like we're living in biblical times than in my whole life. Like where we're just mm. seeing, things that are almost they're difficult to explain in merely human terms Mm -hmm. or or merely um historical causation terms like there seems like we're watching a battle in the heavenlies unfold in front of our eyes (laughs) from the top levels to the bottoms and um i think that's that's an interesting point he's saying you know if why would we think the enemy would stop with the secular world he wants to confuse the church as well and he wants to deceive us you know if he can get us Mm. Um, off of our guard because we wow. are in a battle. We're in the we're in this battle for the hearts and minds of souls, for the the good of you know the common good in this world, for for nations, all that kind of stuff. And so, if he right. can confuse us and deceive us, that would be his highest mm. aim, right? And so that's why I thought you know it might be a good idea to start this year with um, that Max Lucado thing. But before we even jump into that, Jay Warner Wallace, I think that's his name. Uh, he he actually is one of the teachers now at Impact 360. And I mm. think he does the Propel camp, if I'm not mistaken. I know he did the immersion camp last year uh, while we were there. We had to leave that day, so we didn't get to see his presentation. But he's a he was an actual detective for many years, mm. like a high-level detective who wrote the book um, on, wrote a book on the resurrection, how he came to Christ through kind of studying the evidences. Cold Case Christianity, that's what it is. Oh. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. I never yes, read it, but I know. Yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't read it either. But people that have read it, uh, Brent Hardaway at the church, right? He loves it. But, um, anyways, he goes through like a detective approach to the resurrection, and everything. Great teacher. Uh, but recently, he wrote a book on how we should deal with heresy. So, 
I thought it would be a good exercise to read through that article because if, if we're in that time where, where, and I think we clearly are, um, where there's just going to be more and more apostasy <laughs> within the church and more and more temptation to, um, believe kind of the, the cultural ideology of the day over against the clear teachings of scripture, then we need to know, A, first of all, what we do in this podcast is, A, we need to not be deceived ourselves. We need to have a good biblical understanding of these mm. core essential issues so that we aren't taken captive to idea systems right. raised up against the knowledge of God. But secondly, how do we deal with those people who are being taken captive, especially those who are at, um, using their platforms to influence others in the deception? Mm, um, so because, you know, one of the what's our moral, our only moral maximum of the day is basically thou shalt not say thou shalt not, <laughs> especially with regards to sexuality mm. and quote unquote personal choices. They don't apply that, of course, across the board to themselves when it comes to saying thou shalt not mm. um, to other evangelicals, other Christians. But that's part of the incoherence and the or the irony of it at, at the very least. But I think. Um, you know, we have such a hard time feeling like, man, I don't want to say any say somebody's wrong. Right. I definitely don't want to say they're, um, you know, teaching heresy or or being a false teacher. Like it even pains me. I, I usually don't even like to use the word words false teacher. Um, I like to use, you know, they have some serious error. Um, but there are right. times, man, that you see in the New Testament and everything that they, they really call it's there's a strong they have strong words. That's what uh, Wallace is going to talk about in this article, yeah. even though it's not it's doesn't feel natural for us because of how far we've drifted from biblical Christianity. We need to adjust our minds to biblical Christianity and not necessarily give into that flow of man. I don't want to say anybody's wrong about theology and I, and I don't want to contradict them publicly because that's just bad. Um, does that make sense, babe? Oh yeah. Because like it's, it feels like we're living in times where the, the number one law is to not offend anybody. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to say something that contradicts their whole view, that's exactly what you're doing, you know? Yeah. And so that, you're seen as close-minded, as hateful, as a bigot, and so our 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 truths and our, our what we believe has been um, manipulated by media to come off as bigoted and and hateful, right. and so we have to understand that. So this will be great because you know when you look at all the wars on Twitter over ideologies and and um, Christian views or versus atheism, everything is like. I'm excited about this article because it's twofold. One is recognizing truth and lies and how to go about representing the truth as a Christian in right. this world. So, cause we've seen be it great. done badly, right? We've, we've seen it done bad. In those yeah. churches where like, man, if you disagree on the, the, the day of that pre-trib rapture, right. we're going we to <laughs> basically yes. make it where you can't even eat it at, sure. at the restaurant, the buffet downtown, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So right. basically, and we talked about this a little bit in the episode of you, if you're interested as a listener, going back to the Beth Moore, John MacArthur right. episode that we did, yeah. we talked about not being hyper fundamentalist. Like we, there's some websites out there and, and I won't even call them out by name right now, but there are some that are just toxic um, unnecessarily yeah. they don't know how to major on the majors and they actually major on the minors and they're so strong that it's like they end up uh, 
basically writing everybody off almost as a heretic mm-hmm. and this you know they're left with kind of this these three people that got it all right and all three happen right. to be themselves <laughs> um yeah. and hilarious. so um yeah. you know I, we don't want to commit that error obviously but on the other hand i think the more tempting error of our age group and those younger than us is to not want to say anything and want to say well the majors don't really matter and they do. So um, with that, let's hop into this article a little bit. Do you want to read through that, babe? Okay, so this is called, um, How Should Christians Respond to Heresy? Okay, in a culture that has a hard time accepting the notion there are objective, transcendent truths about the nature of God, it's sometimes hard to take a stand for what we believe without offending someone. Non-Christians aren't the only people who get offended. The cultural acceptance of relativism and pluralism has already impacted the church dramatically. Doctrine has become a dirty word. Many current theologians and Christian writers reject the claim that any established doctrine of Christianity is objectively true. Mm. These thinkers and church leaders have been profoundly affected by the cultural the culture around them. Those who refuse to relinquish the orthodox teachings of Christianity are seen as rigid fundamentalists. Some postmodern theologians believe all classic Christian claims are now up for negotiation. Yeah, I thought that was interesting right there. Um, Some postmodern theologians believe all classic Christian claims are now up for negotiation. Just Mm. um, that's good to kind of note that. But go ahead, babe. And this this is a quote. This is an actual quote from a guy named Tony Jones. He's he's um, one of the leaders in the so-called progressive movement. Okay. The doctrine of the Trinity is still on the table. Some people, it seems to me, would like for us to no longer debate certain sacred doctrines. The Trinity, the nature of Christ, the nature of Scripture, the nature of marriage, etc. These persons tend to get very jumpy when emergent type discuss the sacred doctrines. So emergent types. He's talking about like his type. They used to be called the emergent church. So okay. he's saying when, when folks like us right. discuss yeah, these. Yeah, emergent. Okay, progressive kind of Sacred, sacred. Sacred doctrine. Okay. Especially in books and at conferences that are being taped. This is dangerous, they say. I say it's dangerous to stop talking about these things. And it leads to a hegemony. Yeah, yeah. So that connects, remember, to the, the Oh, yeah. Thing. So remember, the, in critical theory, yeah. all hegemony, all hegemonic powers are by nature oppressive. Mm-hmm. And what Neil often points out is mm-hmm. the Bible itself is one hegemonic discourse. But that's where this kind of, you see the overlap a lot sure. between the, the two ideologies. But go ahead. Okay, and it leads to a hegemony among those who already control the seminaries, colleges, magazines, radio stations, conferences, publishing houses, and magazines. We emergent village will continue to debate such things and again there i don't know the full breadth of his yeah his discussion there but it's not as though you shouldn't be critically thoughtful about those things Mm -hmm. you know but oftentimes what they mean by debate these things is like they're up for potentially rejecting them yeah and the thing is when you read right when you go through, for instance, William Lane Craig's Defenders podcast, he goes through these core doctrines, the the doctrines that you would find in the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God our Father. You know, all these right. these things were fought out in great detail over the over the history of the church, and some of them have been so clear and so exhaust like they have. They don't need to be up for debate in the sense that they might not be true, but anybody's free right. to think through them critically and biblically, and always test them against the Bible. Mm. To then change your stance on it and still call yourself Christian, I think, is where the misstep comes. Yes. Mm, that's good. Because 
to be a Christian is to, again, accept those spine doctrines. And I also think it's interesting. He says it is dangerous to stop talking about these things because it leads to a hegemony among those who already control seminaries, colleges, magazines. And he lumps seminaries in with the rest of these things, mm, which I'm not sure who he thinks is in control of them. But if you look at colleges, magazines, radio stations, and conferences, those are very much skewed uh, against the Christian worldview, which is something that you would read in the Vessels of Fire and Glory book and, so right, and just other sources that we've, we've talked about. Like all those sources are, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot where, you know, the university today, the majority of the professors and teachers and all that kind of stuff, it, it very much skews away from Christianity. So I'm curious who he thinks is in right. the hegemonic powers in those areas. Yeah, my guess would be, no, that's a good point. Because I think if you're talking about like, for instance, Princeton Seminary, and the seminaries at Yale or wherever, they would definitely be skewed radically left, quote unquote, theologically liberal. Right. And they would not be right. in any sense, uh, evangelical beliefs would not be the hegemony there. He's probably referring to like Liberty, Biola, okay. Wheaton, those kinds of things where you actually have to sign those doctrinal statements for core issues. But again, the reason you have to sign those doctrinal statements for core issues because they have been settled. Um, they have been thoroughly debated over Christian history, and these the the heresies that tried to throw those over have been soundly defeated. And so there's no, really no reason right. to go back and unearth um, these rejections of central biblical claims at this point. It's interesting that the one of the bad kind of thing that you sense that many of them will want to avoid is any type of hegemony. But again, you can't live in a hegemony-free society because even even the idea that we hate hegemonies becomes a hegemony. Yeah, it's <laughs> at, at a school, you know, that everything's going to, there's going to be a norm, there's going to be things that you have to agree to. For instance, I'm sure he wouldn't want to open a seminary and hire people who are like legitimately white supremacists. And they said, well, you're hegemonically right. opposed to white supremacy. Of course we are. So, you know, hegemony itself is not bad. It needs to be grounded in truth. Mm -hmm. And these truths, these central truths, I think, have been established of the core right. essential doctrines of Christianity. And there's no reason to debate the, you know, fact of, for instance, Christ's divinity, which some liberal denominations have are literally splitting over the issue, was Christ really divine or not? And so, right. you know, this this is kind of where that discussion is heading with the emergent quote uh, slash progressive right. Christianity. But uh, read on from there, babe. It's interesting to note the effort to seek and uphold the ancient objective biblical truth is now seen mm. as hegemony. Well, we just said that and I forgot, I forgot he actually said that. So okay, he's basically right. just saying what we said. <laughs> the pursuit and defense of truth is now seen as oppressive, not only by unbelievers, but also by fellow believers. Christians today seem to have forgotten how important truth was to Jesus and to the first believers. Many current Christian teachers actually believe it is divisive for us to take a stand for truth at all, and they dislike being publicly rebuked for holding a position described as unbiblical. But both John the Baptist and Jesus were quick to point out the false teachings of those men around them, and they did so in a pointed and biting manner. Take, for example, John's public condemnation of the Pharisees on the shore of the Jordan River. And this is Matthew chapter 3, verse 79. Now, before you read this, too, sure. 
Yeah, he. I think how he worded that was great. You know, we do again tend to think, man, if we take a stand for truth, it's divisive, and, mm. and div- divisiveness mm. is bad in and of itself. Now, divisiveness, if it's unjustified and it's unnecessarily divisive, it is bad. And again, that's that's what we want to talk about. And the other thing here is interesting. You know, he says both John the Baptist and Jesus were quick to point out false teaching of those around them. Now, again, we need to think this of ourselves because we all need to be confronted by the scripture. If I think something's bad and I hate it, but Jesus thinks it's good and he does it, what needs to go? Mm. It, it, it's, uh, it's our ideas, right? It's For our, sure. it's our cultural framework. Right. And so I just, when you read this Matthew passage, we need to take it seriously. So go ahead, babe. Okay. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance and do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. John sounds pretty bold to me. This is, I'm continuing on. And he had no problem calling people out for their beliefs. Was he being godly? Was he following a biblical model? One thing is certain. He was behaving in a manner consistent with Jesus. Look at how Jesus addressed the same group. Matthew twelve thirty four. you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which, his, which fills his heart. Yeah, so interesting. So the Matthew 3 passage, sorry, I set it up as Jesus, but it was actually John the Baptist uh-huh. speaking. And then you get Jesus speaking in Matthew 12. Mm-hmm. In both cases, they're calling him brood of vipers. You know, it's almost easy to gloss over that these days because yeah. that sounds so biblical. Sure. But like literally, right. I mean, imagine somebody we respect getting on YouTube or whatever and and they are talking to people directly in a crowd and calling them a bunch of snakes like in their face. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's it's right. it's strong like you got you guys are poisonous snakes like getting in their face like that. That's that's what was going wow. on. Right. And it, yeah, he says uh I think you just read this but both John and Jesus had no problem addressing false teachers and warning false teachers. Perhaps there is something we can learn about the importance of identifying what is true and addressing what is false. Wow. I don't know if you want to read a little bit here, Stephen. We simply must identify those who are teaching error. Paul certainly had no problem doing this, and he instructed those who followed him to do the very same thing. In these passages written to Timothy in Paul's pastoral letter, Paul does not hesitate to name names. He publicly identifies false teachers and ungodly men so others can be warned. Mm. 2 Timothy 4, 9 and 10 says, Make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Mm-hmm. 2 Timothy 1, 15 says, You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phlegalus and Hermogenes. And finally, 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20, Paul says, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may fight the good fight, keeping faith in your good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered over to Satan, so that they might be taught not to blaspheme. And Paul Sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, you know, and, and to be honest, like, I'm, I'm joking, but this confronts me because I'm like one of those, I like to be nice. You know what I'm saying? I don't like, right. like, I'm uncomfortable 
oftentimes this is one of those biblical truths that makes me personally uncomfortable because I, I would rather, you know, let's never call anybody by name. Let's just kind of avoid it. And right. because, uh, and because part of that I think is I've seen it abused. Um, but part of it is just the cultural milieu that I've grown up in. Like we don't like to, you know, truth isn't that important to us always to where it's worth standing up for and even making people feel bad about for teaching falsely. But, you know, pretty, pretty strong words. He says, so Wallace says we are called to one, identify false ideas and two, publicly expose those who are either living by or teaching others these ideas. Mm. And he says this, he goes on to say, we should describe the teaching. We also need to be very articulate about what is false in the teaching of these false teachers. Okay. We need to take the time to describe the error. Paul also did this even as he named the false teachers by name. Hmm. And this is from 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 18. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and thus they upset the faith of some. We are called to, number one, know the truth well enough to see the lie coming. And that's what I think we said that earlier. We need to know the truth well enough to see the lie coming. And two, describe the lie to others so that they can be warned. That's so good. The author, he's really telling people to call others out. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty strong. Yeah, especially I think when they're when they are public teachers. And I think especially when it's dealing with core issues. And that's we'll make that clarification more later. But again, we don't want to be hyper fundamentalists. We're not saying, you know, yeah, call everybody out in the world that you disagree with, because that is an abuse and a misuse. But yeah, there are times I think when clearly you have to call people out by name and people don't like that. People have gotten really onto Elisa, even on our own post. Sure. I remember that. Some people have kind of chided her for. Yeah. Why is she calling out? Quote unquote, brothers and sisters in Christ Christ. by name. But the only people Mm. she really deals with like that, I would say, are people that are committing these core errors and teaching them publicly. Also, you'll see that Neil, if you follow um, his stuff a lot, people don't like. Neil Shinvi. Yeah, and he's and he's super careful. He almost never names names. Um, but even with him, people don't like the fact that he's addressing and dealing with people's content. Mm-hmm. And you really have to to be a careful thinker. They don't like the idea that of arguing about theology and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I, I think Wallace is doing a good job here. Do you want to read on from this next section? But we should do all we can to silence the teacher. Okay. In some ways, the first two principles seem rather defensive particularly when compared to the next set of principles, which are a bit more aggressive and proactive when dealing with error. Paul asked his followers to do their best to stop false teaching by silencing the false teachers and denying them a platform from which to teach. Yikes, denying them a platform from which to teach. Okay, Titus 1, 10 and 11. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. Second mm. John 9 and 11. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring his teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. 
anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. Mm. Yikes. We are called to, one, understand how false teaching impacts believers and their families. Two, recognize the worldly motives of false teachers. And then, three, do all we can to these teachers, the platform from which they can spread the lie. Yeah, I think he might be a misprint there. Yeah. Do all we can to stop these teachers. Okay, to stop these teachers. teachers Okay. We should refute the teaching. But what do we do about those who have already gained a foothold in Christian community, teaching false ideas and false doctrines? How are we to respond once the error has already started to permeate the church? Paul tells his followers that they are to refute the lies. They are to identify and demonstrate why the false teaching is false and then replace this false teaching with the truth. They are to do this in an emphatic and strong manner. Titus 1, 7 and 9, since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it that's good to zero in on that yeah right there. that's an overseer which is a picture you know really of what any mature christian should should have these qualities for sure right. and you know you talk about epistemic virtue and how that takes um, maturity and you yeah. learn that if you're humble if you're not given to these kind of bad passions you're closer to staying within, you know, yeah. and if someone approaches you, you're humble enough to go and research. Okay. Did I error? Yeah, Let me yeah. go back and restudy this and look into what they're saying. And then it's not about you. You're just presenting the knowledge of God. Right. You're not uplifting yourself, but right. if there's tons of pride and violence and all this dishonest gang, then you'll, you'll, you'll stand your ground in the error, yeah. you know? And what's interesting too, you know, this is a good, this is a good passage. I, I need to memorize this one with Titus. Because oftentimes in the progressive movement and with I've noticed uh, there's a there's a debate that Neil recently had with a guy on critical theory. Uh, He's a Christian, but holds to like a lot of the tenets of contemporary critical theory. And anyways, in the debate, the guy was like, why do you feel like you need to, you know, defend like this stuff? Like, I, I don't feel any need to tell to tell anybody. I just let the Holy Spirit deal with them. And there was a lot of problems with that. But but Neil pointed out passages like these that part of Christian service, part of the service that we perform as leaders and teachers is to be able to refute those who oppose sound Mm. doctrine. And uh, do you remember that, Stephen, in the Lisa Gunger thing with Elisa? That kind of propensity where she's like, well, I don't really try to convince anybody of anything. I just, I'm just, why are you, why are you beating up on me? You know, kind of, kind of vibe that she was putting forth. And it's this idea they, oftentimes you'll see this maneuver in uh, progressive circles. They don't want people to put a spotlight on these ideas because they like the ideas. They don't want to have to defend them ultimately because they they can't really be defended well. Mm. But one way to do that is just by saying, oh man, that's mean. Like Jesus, he's, he's just kind of a nice woodland creature. He would never do such a thing. But it's good to know that, man, this is consistently taught in the New Testament that that truth is so important. And those who are deceiving and teaching error, especially in important issues, need to be soundly refuted Mm -hmm. by Christian leaders and teachers. 
You know, and I think of the words of Jesus where he says, I think it was Jesus, the truth shall set you free. Come on. Yeah. Was that him or Paul? It was Jesus, yeah. He said, if you continue eight, yeah. as my disciples, you will know the you truth. You will know the truth and the truth will right. set you free. You know, and I think the inverse of that statement, untruth or a lie, will leave people in bondage. Exactly. And I, I, that's such the, the cultural and I think sometimes the progressive Christian standpoint is that, you know, if we if we could change the truth, change what is moral, change things to not be so harsh and objective that we can then be more free, free to love, free to mm. accept, mm. you know, free to do all these things. And man, you know, I was watching uh, this Jeff Goldblum show on uh, Disney Plus. I don't I forget what episode it was, but he goes to New Orleans during this celebration of just basically sexual immorality. Right. <laughs> Marty is Mardi Gras. Well, it actually wasn't that. I didn't realize there were multiple parties oh, yeah, that yeah. New Orleans throws, I guess, it, for a different it, it things, could but. have been Tuesday in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just any old day, exactly. you know. You know, these people seem, you know, they have smiles on their faces. They believe they're celebrating. They believe that they are being their true selves and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, and it just kind of broke my heart to just think, like, actually, these people are in bondage and they don't even know mm-hmm. it. And, you know, when I think of the word of Jesus, like, like the actual truth, will set you free. And that's why it's so important that we hold to objective truth. Yeah. You know, this is not something that can be uh, interpreted differently so far to make it the opposite. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, man. it is not that Jesus is the only way and Jesus is one of the ways only can be one. Yeah. And it is those truths that can actually set you free uh, in this life and the next. So. so good. I'm thinking of that scripture, you know, we demolish strongholds that mm. sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Yeah. Too. You know, it's funny because when you think about areas where the truth depends on your, your life or death, you know, like right. if you go to the doctor, <laughs> you, you're not like now be kind now, love, be loving and kind. No, you, you right. kind of want the truth because this could either save your life or uh, you can continue on and, and just perpetuate the lifestyle that's going to lead to a quicker death. You know, I think the problem is people are tying truth to what feels good and truth doesn't always feel good. And if mm. something it's if it's something you desire and you just want to believe and it makes you feel a certain kind of way, people are reluctant to let lay that down for truth. And that's why, you know, Dallas Willard would ask the question, do you love truth? Would you die for it? Would you what would you do for truth? Or is it just about what makes you feel good and what you'd rather hear to tickle your ears? Right. And that's what we're dealing with in these last days. Just this people are turning away. But I love to pull up like um, preachers from the days of old, like mm. the late 1800s. You want to hear some truth? Listen, I'm trying to tell you. It's were, like were it's another infected. realm. They were not infected with our moral relativism. <laughs> oh, gosh. Even like and kid glove. Oh, approach no. To everybody's feelings. Sin was sin. There wasn't no feelings in it. They didn't bow to just making sure no one was offended it was just a different day and so yeah it's it's a battle of of minds but i remember reading the book uh the closing of the american mind he says 80 percent of college students by once they arrive college 80 percent of students in college um believe that truth is relative yeah that is mind-blowing and that was back in the that was in the 80s like when he wrote that book back. and so i was like yikes anyway but no it's good and and again yeah. so the reason too mm-hmm. That God values truth. He's not interested in us just getting a theological test right, marking in the, ro- sure. the right bubbles. You know, it's because of you. Both of you just connected it. It's because of how truth mm. connects to reality. It's um. It's because of what happens when you hold to false ideas. And uh, Nerve and I fly a lot, 
I want the mechanic working on the plane to be someone who really cares about truth. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and, you know, we right. don't tend to think of morality and sexuality like that, that it yeah. has a design and it has a function and Proverbs, wisdom of God, like, okay, if you adopt false false ideas, you're going to get these conclusions. And people, mm. you know, they want to put on this happy face and say, no, 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 you can do it however you feel. Mm. And, you know, you, you follow that happy face 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road yeah. and you see what happens. Right. You know, it is unfortunate and it does make you sad. And that's why ultimately we go in not trying to browbeat people into confessing stuff they don't really believe, but we're trying to help them come to the knowledge of the truth of the glory of God. Like, because when you do line up with that, man, that's the beauty. That's what God created us for. And you see the the implications of that in your life are amazing. And I think that's why God, there's such strong words for false teachers creeping into the body in the New Testament and really throughout the whole Bible. But uh, here's here's the second one. Okay. Wallace said about, you know, the need to refute okay. the false teachers. It's from Titus one thirteen. He said, this testimony is true. For this cause, reprove them severely that they may be sound in the faith. Mm. So again, he summarizes that we are called to one, identify doctrinal errors and describe their false nature. Two, strongly correct teachers who teach this kind of error. And three, replace the errors by describing the biblical truth of the Orthodox Christian worldview. Next section says we should avoid those who continue to follow or teach the lies. Even though we may make a dedicated effort to identify, call out, and refute false teaching and false teachers, many may still decide to follow lies, Mm. particularly if some worldly desire can be satisfied by accepting a lie. That's the temptation often for us is like, that's what we call rationalization. It's the misuse of reason. It's we use reason to prop out what you desire. And that's a temptation, you know, for everybody. But he said, how are we to live in regard to people who either teach falsely or live according to false views? Well, according to Paul, we are to avoid people like this. Ephesians five eleven through 14. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. Hmm. Romans sixteen seventeen through 18. Now I urge you, brethren... Keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Second Thessalonians 3.6 Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep aloof from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you received from us. Titus 3.10 and 11 Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. So we are called, one, to avoid those who have embraced false teaching, And two, warn and ultimately reject those who are false teachers. Paul is clear about how we are to treat those who are living according to false teaching. We are not to try to make peace with or embrace this kind of person or teaching. God calls us to separate from people who say they are Christians but are following false teaching. That's pretty severe, but it is what God clearly calls us to do if 
we are to take the words of Scripture seriously. Hmm. Wow. And so, you know, again, the, the, the slogans of our day, inclusion, tolerance, and again, the people that typically say those slogans don't mean it across the board, because you can't. You can't mean it across right. the board, but they will act as though we should include it. We should never hurt anybody's feelings. It, it doesn't typically apply to conservatives or historical Christians from their right. perspective. Um, definitely doesn't try uh, apply to President Trump. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, so everybody's got sure. every every worldview is going to have blasphemy according to it mm. and what we shouldn't include. So we need to understand the Christian teaching here. When it comes to the central truths of Christianity, where we need to stand, how we should react to those who don't. I don't know if you want to read on from there, uh, Stephen. The truth matters to God. God is calling us to be very careful about biblical truth. Mm. We must study the truth, then set careful boundaries so we will know when someone has crossed over into a lie or false teaching. God then wants us to deal strongly with those who are leading others astray. Why would God require us to be so harsh and judgmental? God calls his children to study, understand, and defend the truth because the truth does matter to God. Faith in and of itself is not what God is looking for. It's not enough to be sincere or intense. Faith in and of itself has no magic power. It's a faithful, reasonable trust in the truth Mm. that matters to God. Trust placed in the correct and true God of the universe is what matters to God. That's why God is so particular about truth and calls us to have an accurate understanding of who he is. And that's why God has called us to treat heresy very seriously. Mm. Yeah, man. And we can, you know, again, I think I keep relating. It's, it's so, man, it really helps you understand life. But you see, really, at the end of the day, everybody cares about truth. Part of them, they, they can't get away from even, for instance, just go to the political impeachment trial right now. Yeah, Both man. sides. I mean, uh, of course, you would say, no, they don't really care about truth. They just get, they just care about getting their way, whoever it is. And that, that is true as well. But I think when it comes down to life or death situations for people or stuff they really care about, at that point, all the stuff that they build up ideologically to really um, protect their desires mm. begins to crumble and you see what's really down deep. They do care about truth. They often just don't think that truth about God matters Oof. because... Either they don't believe he's there, they don't believe he's like anything like Jesus thought he was like. And, right. you know, the the truth is, we do care about truth, we must care about truth, but we need to understand there are truths outside of the scientific world, there are truths outside of the mathematical world, outside of the legal world, mm-hmm. and it does matter. Uh, there are theological truths, there are moral truths that are very much as true as 2 plus 2 equals 4. And I think that that fundamental battle about what thing, what is knowledge, what do we know, what is truth, what is true, uh, and then what are the truths about reality is what you keep coming back to uh, at, at a philosophical level. I think that was a pretty good um, article there. And what he doesn't address, and this is what we did address before, was yeah. what are, are we talking about anything? And are we talking about every biblical truth there is here like if somebody you know has a different view about what happened with the sons of god and the giants in genesis <laughs> that you know we we right. brand them as a heretic obviously not he's not talking about that he's talking I, I would imagine just knowing a little bit about wallace's background and how he teaches what he's talking about is the core doctrines of christianity and if you're interested in knowing what those are you can go back to that episode we there's a youtube video from norm geisler 
where he talks about what are the essentials of the Christian faith. And these are the things he said in essentials, unity, non-essentials, liberty and everything, uh, charity, Mm, love. And he makes a distinction between what are the essential teachings of historic Christianity. And I can give you some basic examples real quick. Um, but I would I would encourage you to go look at that video by Norm Guys, so you can just type that in in YouTube and find it um, and go back to that other episode we did. But basically, essential things would be like God, the, the existence and nature of God, monotheism, uh, the triunity of God, the Trinity, the dual natures of Christ, uh, his full humanity, his full deity, uh, salvation by grace through faith alone, the authority of scripture, Mm. the um some basic things about anthropology man being made in the image of god um those are going to be in your essential um some examples of non-essentials but kind of second level importance things will be like you know roles of women in ministry the age of the earth your particular views on eschatology things further out from that circle are going to be like you know worship music style yeah you know, okay. so it gets kind of further out importance, and what Wallace is, I think, centering on is more of those essential things. Um, also, atonement would be in the essential, like the atoning blood of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, and oddly enough, I think I've talked about this before, but there was a philosopher that I that I like and respect, and he was trying to argue that you know the sexual issue was not part of orthodoxy. Uh, somebody came, and I, I think kind of soundly refuted that idea from him and said, no, it actually is. And if you look back at the early church council in the book of Acts, one of the things they said was don't eat food, sacrifice to idols. But the main thing they said was avoid sexual immorality, which presupposes a sexual design by God mm, and marriage. And good. so that they argued on that basis that, you know, the male, the, the male and femaleness of humanity plus sex being um, a gift that's only to be enjoyed within the boundaries of heterosexual marriage between one man and one woman is a matter of um, essentials for the Christian worldview. And I think that's probably right. And so that would mean anyone that takes a pro-gay uh, theology point of view would be basically teaching error at a in an essential level, a fundamental level. And that's not someone you should be in unity with. Uh, and, and I think there's good reason to hold to that, even though to, you know, we could go into that in another podcast, but that just to give you so kind good. of a rough sketch. So what he's talking about here, again, to go back to the title of it is how should Christians respond to heresy? Heresy is typically reserved for people that, that deny the essentials okay. of historic Christianity, not reserved for people that disagree with you on the second level issues, women in ministry, that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, that's right. good. And you also taught me a while ago, like, you know, just remember when someone uh, claims to be an authority in a particular field and sometimes people are just writing blogs and giving opinions and they haven't done the research and the study and the years of um, study that it takes to really become mm-hmm. an expert at something. And so just be mindful that there's a lot of information out there in social media con- con- concerning topics and, and, and biblical um, stances on things and just consider the person's um, background and learning and study and whether they're in authority, yeah, man. you know, and it, at the end of the day, it does matter. Oh gosh, I've say this with all the humility I can muster. <laughs> it matters what church you're attending these days. Oh, yeah. It matters mm. what your pastor is teaching their, their worldview because like, 
like we're talking and discussing today, um, Satan's busy. He is he is about deceiving the church right now. And so it takes humility. It takes a contending for the faith that you learned and that in all of those spine issues, like Seth mentioned earlier, those things aren't up for negotiation. And so just be mindful of that. That's good. But yeah, I think this will set us up to kind of talk about the Max Lucado gin hat maker thing. And uh, hopefully... If yeah, I think we'll link that article on the bottom if you want to check it out yep. for yourself, and um, we'll keep having these discussions and back in at twenty twenty, trying to uh, that's right give some clarity. <laughs> we man. back and, and um, yeah, so here's to the here's to the next time we talk with you guys. Blessings, everybody. That's it. Yeah, we're glad to be back, and so you can check out all the show notes at freemind.fm. We have links to the articles we talked about today, that Dr. Norman Geisler video and our episode discussing that in the show notes. Again, we'd love you to have you join us on patreon.com slash freemindfm. You can join there and you also get the bonus episode, more of Seth and Nerva talking about their move out to California. And we'd love to hear from you, hear your feedback on Instagram or Twitter at freemindfm, on Facebook, freemindpodcastfm. And you can always email us at podcast at freemind.fm as well. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Maybe millions of people.